Hey, welcome to the holiday edition of Media Insultant. And in the spirit of the season each year, we bring you our poet laureate, Tony Bolin, who gives us a poem for the season. Now, I know you ask, how is it that you guys can afford a poet laureate when none of the publicly traded media companies have a poet laureate? Well, all I can say is that because we're very empathetic and very sensitive to the spirit of the season, that's the reason that we have our own poet laureate. Yeah, as I was going to say, I'm going to let Keith Samuels introduce Tony Bolin, and this year's poem is entitled, It's a Wonderful List. Keith? Who knew that there would be someone in media that was also very poetic, and a brilliant writer, and an extraordinary presenter of his work? We couldn't get get him, so we got me instead. (laughs) But back in 1992, I commissioned Tony to do a Christmas poem at the annual Christmas luncheon for the uh, for the for the Puget Sound Area Radio Association. It brought the house down. It became an annual tradition, even after I left the market a, a year later. And so, one of the goals that I had when when I joined up with Jackson to do this this podcast was to bring Tony back because we could, and he wasn't that busy, and have him do uh, another media Christmas poem that encapsulates kind of what we do in media to entertain, to provide public service, to raise money and funds, to do all the great work that we do in broadcasting, along with selling a few ads, managing a few salespeople, and dealing with DJs and program directors. Um, No one does this better than Tony, and I I am honored and and just overwhelmed with joy that he's back again this year. He agreed to do it again this year. Yeah, Um, yeah. I met Tony when he was an ad sales exec for uh, KCMS in in Seattle, and he's still going strong doing fundraising for the high high health. Just great that he's still around with us and and showing us his new (laughs) Christmas beard. Yeah, yeah, which I grew for you guys. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce... Tony Bolin, uh, for this year's uh, edition of the uh, Media Insultant Christmas Poem. Yeah, thank you very much. Last week you to- you told me I was better than cats, which I've been I've been humbled by that remark ever since, Keith. So that that's uh, I'm not sure if you meant cats, the the musical or, or actual cats, but doesn't matter. Uh, either way, I appreciate it. It was uh, it was it was humbling. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a delight to be with you guys, and and um, I don't want to add up how many you know collective years we all have in in, uh, in broadcasting most of it in Seattle but uh, it's a very special memory and a lot of uh, a lot of fun just reflecting back on on some of that stuff which actually when you guys asked me to do this which I appreciate that you asked me back after last year uh, which is you know I don't usually get asked back to do things um, <laughs> Um, it was a bit of a challenge trying to come up with one that I thought would be uh, appropriate for the media insultant. And, and uh, this particular one is, is appropriate to the season. My wife and I just got through watching that, that great Christmas classic, uh, Jaws. No, not Jaws. Uh, it's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. And, uh, and I remember back in 2003, you know, coming up with an idea for a Christmas poem for PSRBA, which was always a fun gig. I really did enjoy it. And Keith, the truth is I did it because you caught my lunch. That was the real reason why I did it. So I came up with one called It's a Wonderful List. So uh, if you guys uh, want me to just go ahead and dive in here, we will, we will, uh, we will meet George Bailey, radio rep, and, and find out uh, that he really had a wonderful list. You ready? I was sitting at my desk one night in the middle of December, 
I'd been working on this annual since sometime in November. The office was deserted. I was tired and alone and feeling sorry for myself as I hung up the phone. My optimistic nature, it was gone beyond retrieving. My station hadn't made the buy. I just sat there, disbelieving. My proposal was professional and my promotions all looked great. I even nailed the cost per point, but now it was all too late. I left the office miserable, a bundle of frustration. I felt I'd done a lousy job for myself, my boss, my station. I'd missed four buys in 15 days. I'd really lost my touch. And whatever self-esteem I'd had, well, now there wasn't much. I sat there in my car a while, considering my profession. As I sat, it came to me in a moment of depression. I closed my tired eyes and prayed a prayer of doubt and fear. Oh, Lord, I said, I wish I hadn't chosen this career. The silent darkness of my car was unchanged for a minute when suddenly I realized I wasn't the only one in it. Beside me in the passenger seat, an old man sat there grinning. I thought, well, if I'm going nuts, this is a good beginning. The old man spoke. Ah, you're the one I traveled here to find. Relax, he laughed when he saw my face. You haven't lost your mind. I realize you're in a trough. You're filled with disillusion. Well, that's precisely why I'm here, to cure all that confusion. I sat there speechless for a bit, then said, Just who are you? He said, My name is Clarence. My rank is RA2. That's Radio Angel Second Class, he went on to explain. And I was sent to help you feel excited once again. Excited? Ha! I scoffed at him. I've had it with this station. I really don't know who you are, but here's my situation. I've missed my goal for three months straight. I've lost another buy. Sometimes I get so frustrated I want to sit and cry. He said, now, George, be reasonable. Let's get back in the game. I said, now, hold it right there, pal. Just how'd you know my name? He laughed again. I told you, George. I was sent here just for you. I know everything about you. I know everything you do. I know your name's George Bailey. You've got two kids and a wife. I know you live in Issaquah. You're wondering about your life. You drive a well-used Beamer. Your wife, an SUV. You started selling radio in 1993. He glanced down at his yellow pad. <clears throat> Let's see just how you've done. Why, look, he said. Just months ago, you were number one. <clears throat> you used to be top biller, George. You're merely in a slump. Face it, Clarence. I spat at him. My work is in a dump. The way I feel tonight, I wish I'd never taken this job. I could be selling used RVs, just like my brother Bob. I could go drive a FedEx truck. I could be selling beer. I'm sure my clients wouldn't care if I weren't even here. I wonder, muttered Clarence. Yes, that just might prove it. Who are you talking to? I asked. Come on, he said. Let's move it. He shoved me out the car door, alive with animation, and ran around and grabbed my arm and pushed me toward the station. What the heck you doing? I hollered with surprise, and all at once I stopped and stared. I could not believe my eyes. The sky that had been black before was now as bright as day. I stumbled toward the station door with Clarence leading the way. The place which was deserted just a brief short time before was bustling with activity as we walked through the door. I started to greet my colleagues to share a friendly word, but Clarence smiled and said to me, We can neither be seen nor heard. We moved on to the lobby and wandered into sales. All the AEs sat there like a bunch of well-dressed snails. 
Somehow, nothing seemed quite right. Things were usually so frenetic. But no one that I saw looked even slightly energetic. What's wrong with everyone, I asked. There wasn't any spark. That's just the point, old Clarence said. Why, out there in the dark, you said you thought no one would care if you had never been here. I'm showing you what this place is like without George Bailey in here. The two of us then walked the hall toward an office marked promotion. Again, it seemed that everyone was moving in slow motion. Promotion was deserted. The place was dark and cold. The events upon the whiteboard were six or eight months old. What's happened here? I shouted. Clarence answered with a frown. There was no one with any ideas, so they shut the department down. You weren't here to help them, George, with creative innovations. So promotions stopped promoting. They suspended operations. I looked into the faces of the people at my station. Instead of passion in their eyes, I saw only resignation. They looked so apathetic, I said, like they just don't even care. Clarence looked me in the eye. The optimist isn't there. Enthusiasm's catching, George, and you had plenty of it. Oh, sure, I know how radio is. You hate it, then you love it. But George, no matter how you felt, you always did your best. Without you here, no wonder the whole station seems depressed. Clarence, I whispered softly, are my clients on the air? Clarence smiled. Why, George, he said, I'm surprised you even care. I grabbed the log and scanned it. I could not believe my eyes. It seemed our spot load had been slashed to half its normal size. Where's OMD? I cried aloud. Where's Safeway and Fred Meyer? What happened to Washington Mutual? What's become of Les Schwab Tire? I stood there in the hallway, the log clutched in my fist. You see, George, Clarence softly said, you really had a wonderful list. Who cares what clients are on your list if you aren't there to sell them? Who cares how great your stories are if you're not there to tell them? My, no, it's tough sometimes, my friend, and you might have to fake it. But your contribution won't get made if you're not there to make it. Clarence, I said thoughtfully, don't show me any more. In silence, walking side by side, we both moved toward the door. We walked out to my darkened car, and we both climbed inside. I couldn't make sense of what I'd seen, no matter how I tried. I hate to say it, Clarence said. It sounds like a cliche, but here's the truth. Tomorrow really is a brand new day. It's natural to be selfish and to always want our druthers, but God designed our lives, you see, to be lived out for others. Tomorrow you'll go back to work. Everyone you'll meet is walking on a tightrope between victory and defeat. So try to make a difference, George, in everything you do. Because no matter what they tell you, it's never about you. Outside, the sky was dark again. Where had the hours gone? I rubbed my drowsy, sleepy eyes. Then I began to yawn, and suddenly I heard a pop. It seemed so very weird. In a flash, I realized old Clarence had disappeared. I sat there stunned. I guess it all was something I had dreamed, but I found it hard to comprehend how real those visions seemed. And as I contemplated all that I'd heard Clarence say, I recalled his words, tomorrow really is a brand new day. And as I thought about it more, my gloom began to fade. My smile grew wide and confident with the discovery that I'd made. I had seen what my station would be like without my contribution, and in my heart, I began to feel a brand new resolution. Clarence, my radio angel, I said, thanks for what you've shown.
No person is an island. We're not meant to walk alone. I work for a wonderful station. If I weren't there, I'd be missed. And I realized that you were right. I really have a wonderful list. Wow. <laughs> there you go, guys. <laughs> I think... I, I, I think you've set a new bar, Tony. I think you've set a new bar. Thank you. Well, hey. Yeah, shucks, guys. Thank you. All right. All right. Hey. Just the best. Just fun stuff. Love you. Take care. And uh, Jackson, we'll see you soon. All right. Keith, you're always invited. It would, it would, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. It wouldn't be Christmas without you, Tony. Love you, man. Was Bless fantastic. you. Thank you so Blessings, much. Blessings, friends. See you later. Bye-bye. You bet. Merry Christmas, everybody.